Today's scripture reading is from Luke 2, verses 41 to 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. We are in a time of transition, a time of celebration. We have many people in our congregation and certainly in the community graduating uh, from various levels of education. So congratulations to anyone that is graduating or has people uh, that you love graduating, making that transition. We're going to celebrate several of our uh, high school graduates at their next service uh, with a, a time of prayer and then a meal following that. Well, we, this, it is a time of transition, and as you approach that, high schoolers that are graduating, moving on into kind of whatever comes next, college or military service or vocational school or work, have a, a time of exploration, a time of thinking about what, what does their future look like? What, are, what is interesting to them? What are they going to go into? And of determining a direction. But how does one determine that direction? Based on what? Based on tradition? Based on marketability? Like, I could get a good job with this, or maybe parents are pushing for that, like, all right, this is a good way to go, marketability, scholarship, and this is the, the school where you got the best scholarship, financial support, or sports. Hey, I can play this sport that I love, I can you know, be in uh, a great atmosphere with that. Passions, if passions, whose passion? Today, that is our topic as we conclude this series on Parenting Ain't Easy, as we ask that question, pursuing whose passion? I, uh, I developed a passion for mountain biking in this last, oh, eight to ten years, and uh, got a, bike, a mountain bike for myself and would go out in the area and then uh, out, uh, actually the passion developed 
on a fantastic ride in Colorado. I mean, how can you beat mountain biking in Colorado? Anybody mountain bike out there? Okay, so I, well, let me explain it to you. It is like being a kid again. I, I, if any of you had like a, just a little one-speed little kid's bike, I would go out behind our house before their houses were built up and there would be mounds of dirt as they were doing construction. We would ride over that. We created uh, a path for our bikes to go and there would be ramps and hills. And it's like being and doing that again. And if you know me, you know I'm a kid at heart. And so this is just fun. And I, w I, I became passionate about this, and I wanted to share that passion with my family, especially my kids. My oldest son's birthday was coming up, and I thought, I know what I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him a mountain bike. And I went out, and I, I found a, a new mountain bike. It was pretty sweet, and it had the 29-inch the tires, which is the, the bigger, the taller tires. I thought, this is, I'm going to fit it to his frame because I'm thinking in the back of my head, am I buying this for me or am I buying it for him? But I, so I, I purposely, I got a bike that fit his, his build, his frame, because he's a taller kid than me. And, uh, and so I got that bigger bike. I gave it to him. He'd gone mountain biking with me we, we, uh, maybe once. And gave it to him, and we went out one time, I think, together, maybe, maybe two. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. But not as enthusiastic as I might have wanted. And then he went off to college, and the bike sat in the garage. I thought, oh, how sad that that bike is sitting there. I know. I'll ride it. And then I started thinking, I did buy this for myself, didn't I? <laughs> well, he's got the bike now, and uh, he doesn't exactly go out mountain biking with it, but he does ride it to work sometimes and around town where he lives. Um, so he is getting use out of that. But I've come to realize, and I think I realized it all along the way, that maybe I was trying to push my passion a little bit too much on my oldest son. Parenting ain't easy, is it? And that's the balance we have to strike sometimes is between that. What our passions are, what our desire is, what our vision of the future looks like for our kids, and what their passions are and what their vision looks like. And as they get older and older, that becomes sometimes more of a tension. How do we determine what is best? And yes, parents, we have more life experience. And kids, your parents really do know something about what they are talking about. And so to lean into that experience and to lean into that wisdom. But parents, we have to be very careful about how much we push for various things and about how we convey that. Parenting can be scary. And that's sometimes why we want to push our kids in a certain direction because the world has a lot of ways of harming us. And our job as parents is to try to keep kids, our kids safe. 
and certainly as they're very young and as they're vulnerable and as they grow up, but eventually we gotta, we got to let them go. we got to release them into the world. Deidre Wallenick Honnold has had to face fear as a parent, especially when it comes to her son, Alex. Alex, now grown, but he has always loved to climb since he was a little tyke. She remembers him as an infant, how strong his legs were and how you could hold him steady and he would stand on his legs way before he should have been able to do that. He, he had a build in his physical structure that lent itself to climbing. And early on, he must have realized that because he would start climbing things around the house. And she would walk in, and it was just part of what he did. And after a while of telling him to get down, they finally just gave it up because he was just constantly climbing on things. She remembers going to, the, to a, a gym where she was uh, talking with somebody uh, and actually having an interview and hearing this gym go silent. And she knew what was going on. And her son, Alex, who was five years old at the time, was 40 feet up the, in the air on a climbing wall. And the person that she was interviewing said, man, he's good. Five years old. The Al- the Alex continued his passion continued to push himself more and more. But it wasn't until he was a bit older and she saw, she began seeing his picture in adventure sports magazines and various ads and news articles that she realized, wow, I guess he really is good in a very special way. The pinnacle of the climbing world is a 3,200 foot vertical slab of granite in Yosemite National Park called El Capitan, and there you see it on the left. To give some perspective, somebody uh, transposed images of various buildings against that. So there you see the Eiffel Tower, the Needle in Seattle, the uh, uh, Empire State Building, and then the Sears Tower. It's the Sears Tower. And there you can see in relation to El Capitan just how massive that is and why this is the creme de la creme of the climbing world. It is extremely challenging with ropes. Imagine climbing it without ropes. Something they call free soloing. Alex began free soloing very early on and was challenged himself climbing various things. And, and then along the way, he thought, I wonder if it's possible to solo, free solo, climb without ropes, just you and the rock in front of you up El Capitan. His attempt at this is his historical feat is recorded in the recent documentary that won an Oscar called Free Solo. I want to play for you a clip 
from a podcast called the Adventure Sports Podcast of his mom, Deirdre, talking about what it's like to be the mother of a son who does this kind of dangerous sport of climbing staggering heights. Let's take a listen. But he talks about this a lot in his interview. I had to learn to deal with fear. fear. Fear for him, fear for me, fear for what might happen. You know, as a, par- as a parent of young children, your main job is to imagine all the dangers that, c- you know, bad things that can happen and protect against them, you know. You know, you put the bumpers on the edges of the tables and you, you lock the drawers so the kids can't get into them, you know, things like that. Well, I had to give all that up. I had to abandon that way of thinking and just go for it for him and for me, you know. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a real heady experience, <laughs> a real heady experience. And I'm sure without it, you'd be a very different person today. Oh, totally. I would still be that same very secure, very safe teacher, writer, you know, and, and I would not know half of what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he is still living, <laughs> just to let you know that, and uh, the documentary is just really well done. It won an Oscar, so I commend it to you if your stomach can handle that. Alex's passion actually kind of started transposing onto his mom, Deirdre, and every year around her birthday, her son takes her out climbing, and she is now the oldest woman to have ever climbed El Capitan. She did it with ropes. Uh, but her son's passion actually ended up being an interest for her. Kristen Bell, who with her husband Rob, a speaker and author, has talked about raising kids in a piece called Launching Rockets. She was interviewed by the editor of an online resource called Spiritual Parents. And here's what she said about dealing with fear as a parent. There are endless fears we could have about our kids. 99% of those fears are what-if fears. She says, I would call these false fears. They are fears based on what could potentially happen in the future. Sometimes we think about all these fears because we'd like to eliminate all these possible scenarios by planning, preparation, and orchestrating. The problem is that this way of living robs us of living in the moment of staying in the stream of joy. It makes us stressed, anxious, tense, and not the kind of parents we want to be. There is a vulnerability to being a parent. It feels very vulnerable to love someone this much and not be able to control what happens to them. Sometimes it helps the what-if fears to recognize the feelings of vulnerability. It's all part of love. And then she quotes 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When we live in the flow of divine love, she says, 
our fears dissipate. In our gospel lesson, we hear the story of Mary and Joseph traveling with Jesus and some extended family to the annual Passover gathering in Jerusalem. Throngs of people would go to this celebration. And on the return back home, they said they were with extended family, cousins, aunts, uncles, and they would all kind of take care of one another. And Jesus, who was 12 at the time, was no doubt with his cousins or something. And, and so they just assumed that he was with their extended family. But then a day into the return home, they began to look for Jesus and ask their relatives, have you seen him? Have you seen him? And he wasn't there. Parents, have you ever experienced that, the panic of realizing your child may be missing? It's a terrifying moment. And in some ways, a parent's worst nightmare. It's that home alone moment. Jesus! They returned to Jerusalem and began to look around the places they had been and they asked people all over and they searched for another day. And finally, on the third day, they found him in the temple courts, talking with the rabbis, listening to them, asking questions, and responding to their answers, too. The rabbis in the temple courts, it says, were amazed at his knowledge. His parents went up to him, and they were astonished, and they said, why have you done this to us? Why have you treated us this way? Jesus, we were worried sick about you. I just imagine Jesus looking up at them in that kind of blank look that your kids get sometimes like, I don't understand what you're so worried about. And he says, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? No disrespect to his earth, earthly father, but he was talking about his heavenly father. Jesus' passion was for his heavenly father. doesn't mean that he didn't care about or love his earthly parents, but his main allegiance, his main passion, his main drive, his mission was with fulfilling what his heavenly father desired. He desired wisdom and understanding and learning. And that the temple was the symbol of that learning, that growth, that wisdom. And where these rabbis would gather together, of course, that's where Jesus would be. Jesus' passion contributed to this incident where his parents worried and, and had a lot of fear for, of what might have happened. And I'm sure this wasn't the first time that this happened to them. It certainly wouldn't be the last. No doubt his parents would have liked for Jesus to continue in his father's carpentry business, to establish a, a life there among them in their hometown 
to settle down, to have security, not to go wandering off, not have a place to lay his head, not to be in conflict with those who had power. But it wasn't his passion to do perhaps what his parents were wanting. It wasn't his calling. So what is a parent to do? Because there is that innate desire, that innate sense in us that is good of wanting to protect our children. That is one of our main tasks. As Deidre uh, Honnold said in, in that message, that's what we do as parents. That is our responsibility. So how do we balance that against what our kids are wanting to do as they get older and as they begin to establish their identity and as they begin to feel a pull perhaps in a direction that we hadn't envisioned for them? How do we balance that push and pull? Well, a few thoughts as we wrap up. One, and this is to parents, build a solid foundation for your kids. Uh, the Bells, Kristen and Rob, have that piece called Launching Rockets. And that imagery of, of a, a young person taking off into life. But parents, our responsibility, one of our tasks, is to build the solid foundation, the launch pad from which they take off into their lives. If that's not solid, then things are going to go haywire. And the, the rocket's not going to launch off in a good direction, if at all. And so part of our task is to build that solid foundation, to build a foundation uh, of, of faith and of modeling that and of teaching that to our kids, to provide structure. Secondly, fuel their passions. My son Andrew, my younger son, uh, like many kids growing up, was very interested in and would often draw things and do artwork. But he had a propensity for it. And that continued on. And so eventually we got more art supplies and, and his work continued. And it was like, man, this, he's pretty good at this. And so eventually we turned our dining room into Andrew's art room. And there'd be paint and stuff and everything all over. But it was wonderful to see his passion just start to bud. Now he's 19. He just returned home from his first year at the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. And has an interest into going into the art field for his work. As parents, we can... Sometimes identifying our kids a natural tendency towards something, an ability in something, a passion towards something. And there's something innate within that. And so if we can help, to, to help them to pursue that and to fuel that, that could be a good thing. But we have to make sure it's their ability and their passion and not our desire for what they'd be interested in. Three, pray a lot. Parents, we don't have all the answers. Shh, don't tell our kids that. 
We don't have a crystal ball to see the future. But we know God knows what's coming. And we know God has good intentions for his children. And so we walk by faith. I was talking with one of our um, parents here at Alleluia this week, and she was talking about the future for her kids, and she said, you have to pray a lot and to trust in God. That doesn't mean everything is going to go smoothly, but what it does mean is that when you do meet challenges in life, you'll have an inner strength to tap into that is filled with hope and faith. And finally, love them into their launch and beyond. The greatest thing we can do for our kids is simply love them. Just love them. No matter what, through all things, parenting ain't easy. Sometimes our kids don't choose the direction that we had hoped for them. It's scary at times. But perfect love casts out fear. Parenting is an adventure. So we might as well enjoy the journey. Because it is a blessing from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, one of the ways that you portray yourself to us is that as a parent, a parent who loves us greatly, deeply, painfully sometimes because you see the directions and the choices we make and they're not what you would have for us, but you let us choose those things anyhow. You give us that freedom out of love. You've created a, a, a structure. You have founded that in love for us, that that might guide us and inform us. But then you set us free to launch into our lives. And you love us into that launch. And you love us deeply beyond. Lord, may in, in that source of love, may we find the strength as parents to love our children through all things. May children love their parents. And may we all grow in you. We pray in your name. Amen.